I'm Charles Boggs, being blessed to be interviewed by Mike Curry on his show, Life After Prison. I'm an author. My book is Acquittal, An Ex-Thug's Guide to the Criminal Justice System. It can be found on Amazon. You can get the Kindle version or the soft cover. Prison, Mike Curry. This is Life After Prison, hosted by Mike Curry, interviewing Charles Bow, who is an author, entrepreneur, businessman, and former prisoner. In this episode of Life After Prison, we interviewing Charles Bowles. Welcome to Life After Prison. Peace, peace. Thank you for having me. Who is Charles Bowles? Can you explain to those who you are, why you was incarcerated, and the nature of your crime? Yeah. Uh, I was incarcerated. You know, I was out in the street hustling back in the, you know, from 86 all the way to 90, to 93. And I was doing everything. You know, the feds came in, I got arrested with a couple of dudes from my neighborhood. You know, we wasn't Cody's, but we all got arrested. Had the same uh, informant on our case. And my drug and gun case, you know, the indictment from the feds turned into, you know, a murder implication. And, you know, I ended up going to jail for 15 years. Well, it was 17 and a half that I spent behind the wall and for murder in the second degree. So he spent 17 and a half years straight in prison. How was life inside prison for you? Like from the family support, friend support, and just overall, what was your comfort level while you was in prison? Well, prison's hard for everybody, but it's different stresses. You know, my, my family support was good. You know, I had three sisters and my mom that I grew up with. So they were all in my corner. So I didn't really need, you know, a lot of other people. But I had two of my friends that stuck by me that, you know, every time I needed a little extra, you know, I could call and, and have it, you know, sent up to me. And inside, I knew a lot of people, so I didn't really have a problem on the inside. It was just more, you know, once you get your mental wrapped around the time that you're doing, and you just have to make a decision on how you're gonna do your time. And I was like, well, you know, I've always been a thinker, so I was like, you know, a lot of the situations that I seen them get, dudes getting into, I was like, you know, dude could have handled that differently. Mm. So my thing was always to outthink everybody, or try to, and I mean, if you treat everybody with a, a bit of respect, you uh, eliminate a lot of the problems that you're gonna have. Yeah, I agree with that myself, because um, when I was in prison, I carried it in a similar way. You know, I found my lane, while I was in prison, I stuck with it. So it wasn't a lot of riffraff that actually came my, my way, unless it was through someone else's riffraff. And by me being me, 
they knew I wasn't involved and so I could easily disassociate myself with that. While you was in prison, what are some of the things you learned about people? It's a, it's a, you know, I was studying when I was in prison. I was always a reader, you know, and I was studying psychology. And I seen that there was a lot of people that, that had a lot of issues. And you learn the, a lot about human nature, you know, and I believe like, you know, like the, the old saying goes, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. So if I know that this dude is, is a snake, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't have to wait for him to bite me. He was a snake to these three other dudes. So when he come in my circle, I'd be like, nah, man, I'm good. You know, it's not that I want to, you know, associate with people or whatever, but, you know, I'm doing this the way I'm doing it. I don't need no new friends. Okay. So you was able to um, disassociate yourself with those that you felt could have been, could have created some type of harm to you, not harm physically, but mentally. Yeah, because people will try to uh, steal your energy. All I try to do is put out positive energy. And when people become a drag on, on that energy, you know, like you said, people are doing their own thing in prison. So if I know this dude is, is you know, using drugs and stuff, that's not my scene. So I'm like, why am I going to link up with him when I know he's involved in something that's going to get him jammed up? So my thing was, I'm sticking with everybody that's about building, about learning and about trying to get out of here, that's who I'm messing with. Okay, yeah, that's right. Cause I remember when I was in prison, when I was in federal prison, um, people respect positive energy. Mm -hmm. They might not tell you that verbally, but they respect it because you can see the level of respect that they have for you. Mm -hmm. When a person show you a level of respect or respect you to the point whereas they polite to how you moving in prison mm -hmm. instead of dis disrespectful because you got some people be disrespectful and if they feel you in their way they might be like yo get the fuck out of my way mm -hmm. or people that respect you like yo excuse me mm -hmm. and so people respect that one of the experiences i had while i was in prison it was a dude from new york you know he was the loudest dude in the unit and, mm -hmm. you know people were like scared of him yeah. so he seen me doing everything right. So he lightweight idolized that. So on the low, he came to me and was like, yo, how can I get on? Can you teach me what you're learning? And I don't got a problem with teaching anyone with anything, but I got a problem with wasting my energy and time mm -hmm. with teaching someone that ain't serious. So I politely declined to teach him and he respected it. Mm -hmm. So that goes along with you know, the question I asked and how you answered it. So, coming home from prison, let's talk about life after prison. Mm -hmm. You did 17 and a half years. What was the psychological effect that you may have while you was in prison? Um, a, lot of, a lot of little things, but I didn't listen to a lot of the dudes in prison. Like, the dudes was telling me, you know, you gotta get out from the street, you can't be calling home. You know, you can't be getting visits. You got to be in here because now your life is in here because I had a life sentence. Mm. But I was like, man, I need to be connected to the yeah. streets because in here is the same thing going on every day. Yeah. You know, it's just new dudes coming in telling the same type of war stories. And I'm like, yo, I need to be at home because home is where you got your hope from. 
Yeah. You know, I needed to talk to my kid. I needed to talk to my mom, people that was hopeful, you know. So when I came home, I was already up on the internet. I was already up on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. The hardest thing that I experienced, you know, it was sad, but it was hard for me was when I first uh, went to the pre-release. After I had got my parole, I went to the pre-release and one of the dudes there I knew, he gave me some money. And he was like, yo, you know, glad to see you made it here. And he gave me some money, but I had never seen the big face money mm. because you don't have no money in there. So I thought he was, you know, giving me fake money because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the, uh, uh, an upstanding dude in the joint. He was always involved in something. Yeah. So I was like, you know, this dude giving me counterfeit money. So my, one of my other dudes that I knew in there was like, nah, that's what money looked like now. So then I went to, I had to uh, call home. So they said, go to the office and get some change. So I went to the, uh, to the sergeant's office. I said, I need change for the payphone. I just got here. And when she gave me the change, I didn't, I couldn't really tell the difference between the nickels and the quarters because they, they changed the size of them. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I was like, excuse me, it was a lady. And I was like, yo, I don't, I don't know, you know, can you tell me what the money is so I can use the phone? I said, I just got here. I've been, you know, down for 17 years. So she was like, oh, no, don't worry about it. She she showed me what the money was. And then I started using the phone. That and um, going to the supermarket. Mm. Because, you know, I was so used to, you know, the only deodorant is what's on the canteen list. Yeah. You know, and the only toothpaste. And then you go to the supermarket, you got like 100 choices for everything. So it took me a little while, you know, to settle into going going on grocery shopping and going food shopping, but I always been a fast learner. So, yeah. you know, once I did it once and I got over the nervousness of, of, you know, having the confidence to ask people for help, then I was good. Yeah, yeah that's good. So, that, you know, that's definitely a good transition back to society. So, you came back after doing 17 years, you acclimated yourself within your family back friends, those that you decided to associate with. Let's speak about your work history. Mm -hmm. What was your first employment upon release? Uh, when I first got released, a buddy of mine, he was in the pre-release also, he got me a job at Chipotle. Oh, so when I was inside of, um, when I was inside prison, I did the culinary program. So I started cooking on the grill at Chipotle. And I was doing that job for probably six months when I was in the pre-release and then another uh, two months when I got out. But I was I was in there and I was training people, you know, how to cook on the grill and things of that sort, you know, because when you're in prison, you know, you get real uh, meticulous about stuff. So I'm precise on everything. I'm fast, you know what I'm saying? I'm the only person there that can, that can run the grill by myself during rush hour because it was a real busy spot. And so they had me training these people, but they was making them people managers and stuff. So I was like, yo, I don't want to just stay on this grill. And then they was like, um, I said, I need a raise. And then the dude was like, okay, you know, you earned it, you know. And then when the, when the raises came out, they gave me a dime, mm. you know, a dime extra an hour. So I was like, that's like $4 for the week. And I was like, well, consider this my two week notice because you know, a lot of times when people come out of prison, they try to devalue you as a human being while you're inside of prison. 
So a lot of dudes come out with, you know, self-image and, and, you know, low self-esteem. But I know my worth. So I was like, you know, if I'm training all these people and they become the managers, then you're not just going to leave me here doing some, you know, menial job. You know, I got bigger plans for myself than that. Okay. So while you was inside, what were some of the ideas and plans that you had coming home? Because we all, while we in prison, we got ample time to think and strategize. And um, a lot, a lot of people, they thought pattern is left playing cards, mm -hmm. um, watching sports on TV, um, playing sports, just anything but being a self and studying a self. Mm -hmm. So what, what were some of the things that you wanted to accomplish coming home from prison and that you was able to accomplish after you came home from prison? Okay. When I was in prison, I studied real estate. I studied the stock market. I studied business. And I used to tell dudes, you know, I'm going to the library to study this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I would get the information from whoever was ready to give it. A lot of the, um, the white guys that were in there, they were pedophiles or they were snitches. Mm -hmm. But they were businessmen on the street. Those are the ones that have it. Yeah. So I would go there and I would sit there and they would teach me how to do certain things. You know, I would talk to them. Some of the dudes was gangsters. Some of the dudes were black dudes that yeah. were older that just got caught up in a bad drug situation. So I learned from whoever would get it. I would order my books and I learned everything that I needed to know because I was a drug dealer on the yeah. street. And I know my love of money didn't leave because I got locked up. So I was like, let me study, you know, these lessons. So when I come home, I'm gonna be able to make the money I need to enjoy my life and live it at a high, at a high clip like I was doing before I got locked up. So a lot of dudes, I'd be like, yo, let's go study. And they'd be like, nah, I'm you know, playing cards. And I'd be like, yo, ain't nobody gonna pay you in the street. I'm no bidding, no two no. Yeah. Ain't nobody paying for that. Unless you go into Vegas to gamble or play shoot craps, ain't nobody paying you for that. I said, you gotta, you know, learn the things that's gonna help you be successful out there and legitimate. And some dudes would come, some dudes would come for a little while and fall off. But, you know, at the end of the day, you only have one picture on your ID, so you gotta take care of yourself. So I was like, yo, I'm gonna learn this real estate, learn this business, learn this stock market. And when I went, when I came home, that's what my mindset was on that. Okay. Were you able to? Establish that, establish any success in real estate or invest any money in the stock market or just conquer or make entry into the business world. Yeah, when I first came home, my a buddy of mine that had did time, he was like, yo, he had told me uh, when I was in pre-release, he was like, when you get out, start a landscaping company. He was like, you know, and go through your mother and your grandmother and those friends because a lot of them are older and they're going to need you you know what I'm saying, to do the alarm. So he was like, buy a lawnmower, a weed whacker, a hedge trimmer, and stop there. And I didn't even have no car, but two, two weeks after I got out, I went, filed for my business license, and started my business doing landscaping, and I would pay my mom's boyfriend at the time, I would pay him to take me to the jobs. And I, like, I networked through my mom's friends, my aunts, and them, because what I've learned is if you're doing negative stuff, negative people are gonna come into your life. Yeah, they're gonna be you attracted know? like bees. Yeah, so they're gonna come and help you further the negative stuff that you wanna do. 
But if you're doing good things, you know what I'm saying? If you're putting out good energy and people see that you're trying, those people are going to be attracted to you because people are going to want to see a good story. They're going to want to know that they helped you overcome. Yeah. So when I started the landscaping company, it was like word of mouth. And then I was getting jobs like every day. Oh, okay. You know, so I was able to start that two weeks after I got out. So when they gave me that, when they um, tried to give me that dime at Chipotle, I could give them my two week notice. And I, I didn't have that fear that I wasn't going to be able to eat. You know, while I was in there, I also got my barber's license. So I was thinking already when I was inside, you know, somebody always going to need their haircut. Yeah. And people are always going to need to eat. So I was like, I'll either be cooking this food and selling trays out of somebody's house or cutting people's hair. Yeah. And that was like my, my, my bottom line plan of all those fails. But like I said, I was always asking people for help. So when I reached out to my man, he told me about the landscape. And I started that, was able to do that. Then I got my uh, TG, TD Ameritrade account. Yeah. Started uh, messing with the stock market. Okay. You know, buying stocks and the things that, that we studied when I was in the joint. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, every around Christmas time, like in July, you stop buying stock in Sony. Yeah. Because, you know, they're going to come out with a new PlayStation every year. Exactly. And that stock is going to go up. Yeah, the new TVs. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So you start, you start investing in those companies. And then I, I came across these dudes that taught me about, you know, getting into the union. Mm. So I jumped through all them hurdles that they put you through, and I got in. Okay. So people were saying, you know, oh, you need to know somebody, you know, you need to do this. I didn't know nobody. But when somebody told me this is where the money's at, this is where it is, yeah. I was there. I was signing up for I signed up for probably all of them. Yeah. And I just kept going. And the first one that seen that I had that work ethic, that I was showing up at the construction site, it was like, all right, we're going to get it through the show. Okay. What I take from you, from doing this interview with you, I see that you got a strong will for determination. And I would like to commend you on that because a lot of people don't have a strong will to for determination. And determination is with dedication. Mm -hmm. So by you dedicating your time and energy by being in prison and studying and planning and then to get out and do it, that's big because you could have easily went back to those in the negative world and picked up a pack and try to get the bag. It could have happened. Could have ended in death, prison, or you still out there trying to chase a bag. That right there, chasing a bag is an imaginary dream mm -hmm. because you might set your mind, I'm gonna make a hundred thousand, but when you reach the hundred thousand, you plan I'm gonna make five hundred thousand. Then you reach the final, you're gonna make a mill. And if you, by the time you reach that mill, or if you ever reach it, you're gonna be incarcerated and it's not gonna be pretty. Yeah. So you wasted a lot of time and energy on chasing an imaginary dream when you could have used your mental, mental state and did something positive. Yeah, I appreciate the company. You know, so I, 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 I respect that, I honor that. I got one more question for you before we end this interview. Mm -hmm. What's different from the Charles Bogues from 20, 30 years ago to the Charles Bogues today? We sitting right here at the table. What is different from the day you got locked up by the feds to now, your mind state? Yeah. 
not physical, mentally? Mentally, it's, it's the patience and attitude. Those are the two biggest things that are different about me, you know. And I realized that, you know, my attitude has always been that I can conquer anything that I put my mind to. I just realized when I was in the joint that I put my mind to the wrong things. You know, I used to tell the younger dudes, you know, when I got a little bit older when I was in there and I came to talk to my natural self. This is what I call your natural self when you're thinking on a higher level. I told him, you know, nobody came out their mother's womb knowing how to cook no cocaine, bag up no dope. That's something that we all learned because we felt we needed to learn that in order to survive. So when I was in prison, I said, I need to learn this legal money game in order for me to survive. Because if I can if I can learn how to cook up, you know, an eight ball to a kilo and whip it and you know make it come back and all that that took some studying you had to sit up in the fiend's house and you had to learn it from them and it took trial and error trial and error you know so i was like yo if i can learn that because if you think about it cooking cocaine is a complex chemical reaction between the baking soda the water and the cocaine Mm -hmm. to make it bond together that's that's chemistry in its raw form in its raw form so i said this other stuff should be easy Cause I'm not no, you know, I'm not no mathematician or nothing. I I never studied chemistry. I wasn't one of them dudes that went to school all the time. But I was like, I know that I can understand how to do certain things. And I, I knew that my one of my downfalls was I, I was short on patience. But I realized when I was in the joint, you have to wait for everything. When you go to the chow hall, you gotta wait in the line. So I started playing mental games with myself, teaching myself patience. You know, when I went to the law library and was fighting my case and everything, you know, I, I learned the patience because you got to mail something to the court and you got to wait and a lot of dudes get antsy. And I was like, those are my two biggest downfalls is that I didn't have patience with myself. I didn't have patience with people. I was always too ready to rip for nothing because I was mad sensitive about everything because you know you think everybody's testing you and all it is is a lack of patience and I knew that that drug game when I came home I was like yo everybody's going to jail you know everybody that was somebody when I was out there 99% of everybody I seen in my travels in jail you know so I said everybody's going to jail so I said I'm going to go with the slow hustle stay out here so I can, you know, be with my kids, be with my family. And I'm like, you know, going to work every day, they know I'm going to show up. Unless it's something that seriously is wrong with my family, I'm like, that teaches me to be dependable. So I'm like, if you got that that dedication to yourself, great things are happening. I'm like, you know, I'm not financially where I want to be, but I'm good, Yeah, you know? I, I see a check coming in. You know, I was able to parlay some things. I just bought a four-family building, you know. So I'm dealing with a mortgage. You know, I'm like, I'm about to buy a couple of more. So I'm like, you know, it's all coming together because my thing was, by the time I get 60, I didn't want to have to work no more. Okay. That was my plan in my head. Yeah. So I got into the construction thing, and 
I see all these dudes walking around with bad backs and this, that. I said, I'm going to do this thing for 10 years. Yeah. I'm going to grind hard for 10 years doing my landscaping, doing the real estate, doing the stock market, you know, opening up businesses. And at the end of that 10 years, I should be in a position where the rents that are coming in, the profit off the buildings, the profit off the, the businesses, I don't have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning no more. It's going nowhere. Yeah. So it's... it's you know, I try to tell people the dream that you have for yourself in your head, you can dream it, but you gotta have the discipline and the mentality that I'm gonna go I'm gonna go do that. It's all about executing your thoughts. Exactly. A lot of people don't have, like you said, the discipline to execute their thoughts, or they don't believe that they can execute their thoughts. You know, when you're in prison. You consider it a failure. You might consider yourself a failure because you failed by selling drugs or you failed supporting for your family. So a lot of people take that mentality and it's a lose-lose situation for them because they don't do nothing in prison to better themselves. Right. So those that decide to better themselves those are the ones that's gonna succeed out here in life because it's not actually hard to find a job. Mm -hmm. And once you find a job, you gotta know what you wanna do with the money once you make it. Same thing with drugs. You selling drugs and you don't got nothing to do with the money because you don't know about investing in stocks. No one ever taught you about investing in real estate. So you spend the money on clothes, you spend the money on jewelry, you spend the money on, on renting apartments, making somebody else rich. Mm -hmm. And then you spend money on girls. Mm -hmm. So when you get locked up, your clothes is gone because they're outdated. Mm -hmm. Your jewelry is stolen by your family. Your girl's off messing with somebody else, probably your friend. Mm -hmm. And somebody else making that landlord rich. Mm -hmm. So now you're in prison and all these things is materializing in your head and it's making you angry. Mm -hmm. And that's why I always commend those that did lengthy prison sentences when they come home and do right. That's just showing and proving intelligence. So I'd like to conclude the interview by shaking your hand and saying thanks. Always, man. I'm like, I feel the same about yep. you, man. Yeah. We both went through that prison. Yeah. And we both sitting here doing something positive. Yeah. Know? And that yeah. don't that don't come to everybody. It don't every come. Day. And, and it definitely don't come to people from the same neighborhood. Even though me and you from the same neighborhood, we got the same train of thought. Mm -hmm. I'm from Roxbury, you from Dorchester. I'm from Grove Hall, you from Phil's Corner. Mm -hmm. So now it's like was just to come together and sit down and talk about success after prison is, is such a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is.